welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. There seems to be a similar pattern and a similar theme that they follow through these movies, whether it be The Little Mermaid to Finding Nemo, to the Lion King Mulan and the Lady and the Tramp. They seem to follow this series of events where the parents um, give an instruction to a young one and that young one promptly rebels against the instruction and goes on this wonderful adventure fraught with a little bit of danger but not too much to get too scared and they go on this wonderful adventure and then at the end of it they're crowned victorious for their rebellion against their parents and it's interesting that when we use the digital babysitter we put these movies on cycle repeat so our kids watch them they learn the method they learn the technique and then we go why are our kids rebellious And it's always been my love-hate relationship with these beautiful movies is just that theme that seems to run through of rebellion. And it got me thinking about our, are we okay, my sound? I'm very echoey. I'll keep going and see see what you want to do. Got me thinking about our upbringing. The way we're brought up is very powerful. Um, Psychologists would suggest those first um, few years are very impactful on how we approach our life and and how we we think about things. And so this is where I want to begin today as we begin this series on becoming rich. With just questioning ourselves of what are our mindsets when it comes to finances? What was spoken to us when we were growing up? And what impact did that have on us now in our lives? You know, there may have been um, a certain perception that you had, maybe that you're, you grew up in a house where there was plenty and you could have whatever you wanted, whenever you wanted, so money just didn't really seem like it was an issue. And then there's other experiences where money was really tight and you had to be really careful and um, there was some worry, there was some fear and maybe that is something you you carry with you now. What about the phrases that were spoken? Money doesn't grow on trees. Don't know if you ever heard that spoken over you. Or, or the root of money is evil. That spoken over All those impact how you approach your finances. And so it's worth considering that. And some of us um, have embraced and carried on what we've been taught. And some of us have rebelled against it and gone the other way. And so I thought it was only fitting today that we begin with God's word and what he says about finances and that today there might be a transference of what you have believed and what you have experienced into what God is saying and what he is calling you to. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word that is alive and active, that it is as relevant to us today as it has been in the past over the years, Father. And Father, we pray by the power of your spirit that you will bring to light what you want to say to each one of us individually today about finances, about how you see them. Father, help us by the power of your spirit to replace lies with your truth and your freedom 
that you so graciously give to us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so we're going to hang out in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Um, so it's going to come up on the screen, so if you, if you don't um, have the Bible, it'll come up um, there so you can have a look at it. But I want to give you some background before we start. So this is a letter um, that Paul is writing to um, a young ministry leader named Timothy. And at the time of this letter, he is in a place called Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is a very affluent place. There's a lot of money there and a lot of people seeking success and wealth. And there is also a lot of idol worship as well that is going on. So a lot of mix of culture there. And Paul's concern as he writes this letter is predominantly with false teaching, people teaching anything other than Jesus Christ and what he taught. And then also this, this um, seeking of, of affluence and, and the worship of idols that has come along with that. In fact, Paul, on his second visit there, was approached by the worksmiths and, and silvermakers that were really angry with him because his message against idolatry was wrecking their business because people weren't buying idols as much. And so they're losing money. Imagine that, profiting from religion. Mm, remember um, back in the... Middle Ages, um, indulgences. Remember, um, organisation of um, Scientology that um, you pay your way to spiritual enlightenment. And then also what about um, some evangelists that ask you to give money to them so that you will prosper in your life? Hmm. And this is all of the things that Paul is speaking into. And so today, just like he's instructing Timothy, we want to get our foundations right, okay? We want to believe what's true and act out of that because it determines so much of what we do. So let me begin with, um, from 1 Timothy um, chapter 6. Chapter 6, and I'm going to start at verse 3. Some people may contradict our teaching, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become wealthy. Yet true godliness with contentment it is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when we came into this world and we can't take anything with us when we leave it. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. But people who long to be rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So the first of two truths that I want us to um, discover today is that contentment is key. 
So we're talking about becoming rich. And here, Paul talks about contentment itself is great wealth. Learning to be content. How are you going with contentment in your life? Hmm. Bit of a challenge, isn't it? I heard a message a, a couple of years ago um, that really impacted us on the enough line. Where is your enough line? I thought, I don't have an enough line. It's never enough. You know, every pay rise Glenn got, we just spent more. It made no difference whatsoever to what we were doing. And we were really challenged with do, where's our enough line and how do we, how do we work in that? You know, um, what, I mean, I'm a perfect wife now, but um, when we first got married, um, I, I, I spent all of Glenn's money. Shockingly, appallingly, I'm so embarrassed. So every wage that he had that came in, I spent it. And I can justify that and go, I was setting up home and I was nesting, whatever. I spent his money. That's what I did. Well, it's our money, but he's out working, you know, 12-hour days, and I want, 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 give me the money, we're going to go and buy this and buy that. And this enough line, where is that enough line? Where is enough? Enough. And, and it's interesting, when um, Glenn was uh, made redundant a number of years later, um, we went into ministry and lived on a fifth of our wage. <laughs> Welcome to ministry. And we, we sort of sat all our kids down. And we said to them, all right, kids, life's going to change. We're on a fifth now. We're going to have to pull it in. Your, you know, your world's about to change. And it was so fascinating that about a year after living this way, one of our kids came up to us and said, I haven't noticed a difference. A fifth. A fifth of the wage. And they didn't notice a difference because we cut off all the rubbish and we just focused on our family and, and getting the basics. They were being fed. They were rich in that. They didn't need all the frills and all the stuff that we added on and we realised we didn't need as much as we thought, finding that contentment. You know, and he talks about um, food and clothing, but the original, the clothing is, um, the original word is like a covering, so he's talking about shelter, so food, clothing and shelter as being where we find our contentment and we thrive in that. And learning to be content no matter where we find ourselves. Remember, um, Paul talks about this in Philippians 4, doesn't he? Where he says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. We all have seasons of that. Seasons of need and then seasons of plenty. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation. Whether well-fed or hungry, living in plenty or in want, I can do all things through him, Christ who gives me strength, secret of contentment. And the challenge for us, the truth for us, is to find our contentment irrespective of where the wage is and what's coming in, into our bank accounts. You know, but Paul goes on and he, he has some words. It sounds um, pretty, pretty harsh when he says, the rich fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. That's really interesting because we live in a world where advertising promotes dissatisfaction. It's very good at it. Dissatisfied with your car, dissatisfied with your house, where you're living, dissatisfied that you don't get enough holidays. It's, they feed on dissatisfied. And if I buy this, if I obtain this, I will be happy. I will be satisfied. And yet, 
Paul is saying here that it leads to temptation. You know, we pray in the Lord's Prayer, Lord, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Because he's talking about there is a temptation when we, when we fiercely seek after, obsess, pursue money, we open ourselves up for other things to come in. You know, let's just maybe, um, let's just fudge the numbers on the tax return. Just a, just a little bit, like whatever, I pay enough tax, I deserve to get a, back, a bit back, don't I? Or maybe it's um, invoicing someone, oh, I'll, just, I'll just round it up, that'll be easier, that'll look good. You know, all sorts of decisions can come out of being really focused and obsessed on chasing that financial wealth. And that's what Paul doesn't want. And he's saying, he's actually saying the opposite. That doesn't bring us life. We think when we obtain this, we're going to have the happiness and the freedom and the satisfaction that we desire. Yet he's saying that it leads to destruction. It's not good for us. It's not healthy for us to pursue these things. You know, a couple of years ago, we had a, um, speaking about dissatisfaction, we had a Kirby salesman come to our house. If you want dissatisfaction, have a salesman come to your house. Because he did his job very effectively, I must say. You know, we had no intention of buying the carpet because we got lured by, they'll vacuum your carpets for free. We got lured by that thing. And so we got him in and he vacuumed the carpet, but then we had to listen to the spill, right? And by the end of that, we felt so bad about our carpets. We felt we were living in an infested, we were killing our children, we were dying and we could see the mites in the carpet. And we were just like, oh my goodness. We felt awful for days. We didn't buy a Kirby. We ripped up our carpets and tiled. <laughs> but that dissatisfaction, right? Of it's just so powerful in that search for more, but contentment in God is just so key for us to, to obtain and to um, have as a part of our life. And I can't move on from this without going to that nutshell of um, verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And as I said, when I was growing up, I was told... Um, uh, love of um, money is evil. Okay, that's what I was told. It got distorted over time, the message. This is from an old proverb, if you look at he uh, Hebraic writing. Um, this is where Paul is quoting this from. But it's actually the love of money. It's not money. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of it. It's the passion, the desire, the drive, the obsession. That is where the problem is when it comes to our money, and it says that money is a root. It's one of. It's a root. It's not the, the one and only. It's a root of all kinds. Leads to a, a lot of different temptation and sin that can come out of that. And that's why it's so important what Paul is teaching here and so foundational for us as we approach our finances. So let me read on. I'm going to jump to, in that first one, he's talking about people seeking after money. But in verse 17, he talks to people with money. So let me read that to you. It says, Teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Tell them to use their money to do good, 
They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. By doing this, they'll be storing up their treasure as a good foundation for the future so they may experience true life. Now, we can be tempted with a passage talking to the rich to think, okay, he's talking to the Kardashians or, you know, he's talking to Twiggy Forrester, he's not talking to us. But um, the global health rankings show that Australia is actually number one per person as far as wealth goes. So we are the wealthy. So we need to consider what is being said here because we are considered generally overall to be those of wealth. And so this is so relevant for us as we look at it today. And it's interesting that it is the trusting in money that Paul is highlighting here. So once again, it's that faith that if I, if I achieve this, if I, I get to this place financially, I'm going to be secure. There is security in that for me. Whereas Paul's saying, no, 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 no. Our trust is to be in God because finances are so unpredictable. You know, the market is so unpredictable. You don't know where it's going up and down. And you can think that you're making wise decisions, but um, it can change in an instant. But I know someone who knows what's happening next, right? I remember we, um, we went to sell our house a couple of years ago and we decided to sell. Didn't really ask God whether that's what he wanted to do. We just decided and we knew what we wanted for it and we put it on the market. Did not sell. Nothing. I was like, oh man, what's going on with that? And then God spoke to us through scripture and said, you know, you need to bring this to me. I will guide you in this. And so we repented for that and waited on God to tell us when to sell our house. And, um, and he then spoke and said, right now, go, go now. I want you to do this. And we sold it and we got a little bit more than the price that we had in our heads that we wanted. And it was so interesting because it was only a matter of a couple of weeks after that that the market completely bottomed out. And our real estate guy said, I can't believe that you sold that just then because you would never have got what you got for it had you, had you um, waited a bit longer. God knows. And that's why it's so key for us to trust in him because trusting in him brings true life for us because he knows what's happening and he wants to guide us in that he's not a, a snooty poopy when it comes to money and I think we can often think he is that he wants us to have nothing and he wants us to suffer in the bare minimum and this is what we're doing no he's not saying that Paul Paul says this um, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. God wants you to enjoy your finances. It's not bad to have money. You know, as God is always doing, he's dealing with the heart. It's the heart attitude he's concerned with more than the money. You know, he's not telling all these rich people, give all your money away. This is the way that you live. You give everything away and you just barely crawl your way through life. No, he's not telling them to do that. He's saying, enjoy it, but trust in me with it. And that is so key for us if we want to live a rich life with him. You know, he encourages us to do three things with our money. The first one is use our money for good. 
There's lots of things we can spend our money on and some things just aren't good, are they? Just aren't good for us, aren't good for our families, aren't necessary. And he encourages us to be looking to use it for good, to build the kingdom for a bigger purpose. And that's why we need his guidance to do that well. Secondly, he says, be rich in works. Okay, so we're talking about money and he's talking about being rich in works. Richness in the kingdom is different. It's not financial in the kingdom. It is about our heart and, and our service to God and, and to others and to bless others is highly regarded in God's eyes. And so he's calling us to look for opportunities where we can do good things and be really generous with that. And yeah, the third one is to be generous. How generous are we with our finances? But he actually takes it a step forward. If, you, if you're struggling with that, he actually goes, be ready to share with others. So it's not just be generous. And I think we can be generous. You remember, you know, we have God say, oh, I want you to give this much money. And we, I'm sorry, did I hear something? I'm not sure. I heard something. And then God speaks again. Oh, I'd like you to give something. Oh, I don't know if that's God. We're going to need to go and pray about that for a little while and just make sure that that is him because I wouldn't want to give that money away if that's not right. And then reluctantly, we give the money away. But this is not what he's saying. Look for opportunities to be generous. In other words, be prepared that, that this is part of your life. This is what we do. We just do this. And so it's not surprising to us. It's not something that we have to go over in our, our minds a, a hundred times and sort out. He's saying be, be generous and be prepared. Be prepared, looking, looking for where we can we can be generous. You know, I've, I've spoken to you before that um, my mission field often is the shopping centre. You know, sorry for those people who are called to deepest, darkest Africa. Mine is shopping centres. No, I think we're all called to shopping centres and being intentional about that. When I'm walking in, I'm always praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? Where are you working? Where are you at? And, and can I be a part of it? And it's a super exciting way of living. But he's also expanded my ministry to drive throughs McDonald's and Hungry Jack's. I've lost count of the amount of times I've been in the drive-thru and he said, pay for the person behind you. And like you look in the rearview mirror and pray it's not a minivan full of kids. Like, please be a motorbike. Please be a motorbike. You know. <laughs> no. Be prepared to be generous. And have that on your heart that there is opportunity all around us to be generous in service but also in financial ways, and that brings richness to our lives. Because doesn't it feel good when you do? I love paying for people in the drive-thru because you watch their face. You watch them like, what? To the lady, the thing, what? And, and then I just quickly scoot off as fast as I can because I don't know what I'd say to them if I saw them. So um, I, I do, sometimes I tell the person in the drive-thru to tell them that God sees them and loves them. I don't know if they do that, but pass that message on for me. But nonetheless, um, God blesses them. Um, with that opportunity. God wants us to enjoy our finances and we get to do that in the best possible way, the most flourishing way, by trusting in him with those, with every single part of it and allow him to guide us and, and lead us along that journey.
And so Paul leaves some final instructions. So I'm going to go back to verse 11 and read that to you. It says, But you, Timothy, are a man of God. So run from all these evil things. So the yucky things he's talked about with the trusting in in, um, finances and the chasing after it. So run away from these evil things and pursue righteousness and a godly life along with faith, love, perseverance and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life which God has called you, which you have declared so well before many witnesses. You see... We're all chasing after something. Now, whether it be um, success, whether it be um, finances, whether it be popularity, there's so many things in, in our lives that we chase after. And I love the way Paul writes. He's so active and he's often talking about um, run away from this but run to this. And this is what he's doing in this passage as well. That's no exception. He's saying to run away from evil Things. And I've been thinking this week, we've had the fires um, in Queensland, which tragically most have been lit by someone. But I imagine people with a wall of flames coming towards your house, the danger of that and the horror of that, they run, don't they? They don't just go, no, they run. And this is the same analogy that Paul's using here, run away from evil things. And I wonder how much we actually do that. I think we just see how close we can get to the fire. You know, Alex talked a little bit about that last week. We, we, how close can we, how much can we get away with? But he's saying, no, run. The minute you sniff it, the minute you, that you're aware, actually get away with it, get away from it. It's a huge temptation for us. Don't go to the line. You know, and this is um, a metaphor for all of our lives, with, with everything um, that tempts us to do things that are ungodly, don't go near it. You know, I'm um, often saying with um, young couples, um, before they're married, don't go near the line. Don't just see how close we can go without falling over the line. Don't go near it. Put things in place, and it might seem extreme. Some of those decisions might seem a little bit weird to everyone else, but you're running away from the evil things so that you're able to live a life in freedom and a fruitful one. But he doesn't just tell us to run away and so we're running away and and life is kind of boring because we're just running away from all the evil things in life and that's no fun. No, he tells us something to pursue. And he says pursue righteousness and a godly life and remember he mentions some of the fruit of the spirit in there, the things that bring us life and um, um, flourishing into how we um, do things. But this word pursue originally means to hunt or zealously follow. Are we zealously following God? I've been really challenged with with this week. Or are we doing like walking away from the fire, like, yeah, we're following you, God. Yep, following you. You know, we go to church on Sunday. We do a life group. Yeah, and we try to read the Bible every day. No, he's not saying meander to God. He's saying, follow zealously, with passion, with desire, with drive. And then uses that analogy of hunting. And I think about, you know, someone hunting something. They've got something 
in their sights that they're pursuing and that they're hunting. They're equipped, they're ready to go, and they're chasing after it, and they're not going to be satisfied until they get it. Imagine going hunting and you come home with nothing. That would be disappointing. But a hunter, their aim is to hit their mark. And that is what Paul is asking us to do, to zealously pursue the things of God, run away from the things that are going to harm you and, and ultimately cause you pain and destruction, but run to the things of God because that's where life is, that's where richness is, and that's where the fruit is. And so he encourages us to do that. So Paul talks about two things. He encourages in two ways. He says, turn away from false teaching and fight for truth. And so, in other words, take a look at what you believe, particularly about finances as we're in this series. What do you believe? What have you just taken for granted? Does it line up with what God says and what his heart is for you? And the second one is run away from evil and pursue faithfulness in God. Don't pursue money in the search of um, comfort and security. Find that in God. He will provide everything for you for the enjoyment of your life. That's it. I just want to leave you with three questions that we can consider today as we begin this journey through riches and finances. And so the first question that I want you to think about is what if we could be people, what would it look like for us to be people that are content no matter what our financial situation is? What would that look like in our lives? And secondly, what if we could be people who trust in God with every part of our finances, not some of it, but every part, what would that look like for us to live in that way? And thirdly, what would it look like to be people who pursue God with zeal and with passion? What would that look like in our lives? You know, let's not be Disney princesses who ignore the instruction of our Father and go on our own way, on our own adventure. Let's be ones who hear our Father speak to us and we walk in His path and we walk in His ways and trust Him no matter what we see in front of us because some of the things we've talked about today might seem impossible. Trusting God with your finances, that just might be so off the scale you can't, can't believe it today. Or this thought that you can actually be content where you financially are at the moment. That might be such a stretch for you right now. But you know what? With God, all things are possible. It's with him it will be possible. He will make it possible because he is good and faithful and he is our loving father. And he rewards those who seek him. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.